I'm on a 20, our 21st lesson in our studies in Ephesians. Tonight, I want to go back over some texts that we went over last week, but I don't, you, you know me, I don't, we don't reteach what we did last week. I don't do 15 minutes of recap. Um, I figure you can go watch the other one. Um, that doesn't get us anywhere. However, last week was an odd one in that I was dealing with a, a, a particular passage there in Ephesians 4 that then turns right at the end and introduces us to a whole new way of thinking. Well, that whole new way of thinking is where we are tonight. Well, it would refresh our memories to go back to the other for just a moment. So I, I, I want to start with scripture you know as we do a sermon tonight called Put Off, Put On. This was where we were going to go last week. And I just got so weighed down with trying to explain that Gentiles and aliens from God. And, and I'm really glad we took the time because it sets us up tonight really, really well. But these were the verses we dealt with last week, and, and let's just try to, I'm going to try not to stay on them too long. This I say, therefore, in testifying the Lord, for those listening, not watching, that's Ephesians 4, 17, 18, 19, uh, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk. Rest of, all of us are Gentiles. How do they walk? They walk in the futility of their mind. Just, they don't follow the voice of the Spirit they just do the best thing they can think of. Who can blame them? If you don't know how to follow the Spirit, what else are you going to do? You're going to follow your own mind. You're going to follow your own experience. Paul calls it futile. It's just useless. You're only going to get so far, in other words. And the reason is because they have their understanding darkened. And this is the core of the argument. This is the, the line that you need, really, for tonight, is this next, this next portion. They're alienated from the life of God. That's the problem with not knowing with, with following the futility of your mind, not following the Holy Spirit, is you're alienated from God's life and you're alienated, be, not because of your sin, no, but because of the ignorance that's in them, because of the blindness of their heart, because they're past feeling and they've given themselves over to lewdness to work all uncleanness with greediness. And that's, that was pretty much last week. That was us trying to describe what it looks like to, to be lost without God and not to frame the loss just in terms of, well, they're going to go to hell when they die. But what does it mean? Because I don't think that's the way to frame the lost, by the way. I think most people are going through hell while they're alive. <laughs> you need to talk to them about when they die. But that then, of course, leads to what is the life of God. Well, they don't have it. And so what would it look like to live the life of God? That got us all the way up to the end last week is to say, okay, the transition that Paul's taking you on then looks a little something like this, which is verse 20. But you have not so learned Christ. And we really ended there last week, but that's not an ending because you want to do something with that. So let's do that. That, that, that sort of rebuttal phrase, but take all that information. This is what Gentiles live like. They don't live with the life of God. They're alienated from God. They live according to the futility of their mind. Their hearts hardened. They're ignorant. They're living in darkness. But, opposite, you haven't learned that kind of life from Christ. You didn't learn that way of living from Jesus. Now, now, there's a lot of ways of living that we learn, and we learn them from the ways of our parents, our church, our culture, and our society. Christianity is none of those things. We, we do have a version of cultural Christianity. Cultural Christianity is what I learned from my church, what I learned from my people group, the verses that are important to us. You all were raised in church. Your church had the verses that were important to them, like the ones they quoted all the time. Why'd they quote those verses and not another set of verses? You could go down the street, cross the street to another church. They'd be quoting a different set of verses. They were all in the same Bible. 
And the ones they were quoting, you maybe didn't even know were in the Bible. <laughs> and the ones you're living and dying by, they never heard of. So there is a version of cultural knowledge and cultural Christianity. My point there is we're learning a lot of things from a lot of people. You've probably learned some things from me. I know that I've learned some things from you. Where I've taught Christ, then hopefully it's been beneficial to set you free. Where I've taught otherwise, it just probably tilts towards confusion. And that's Paul's point. What you've learned in Christ is not the kind of stuff that alienates you from the life of God. It's not the kind of stuff that puts you in darkness. If indeed, and this is crucial, you've learned, you didn't just learn this from Christ. If indeed you've heard him, been taught by him, as the truth is in Jesus. So if you needed three points, it would be that you, how you hear, how you are taught, and the truth that is found only in Jesus. Let me start with how you hear. I didn't give you a lot of screens tonight. I wanted to let some of this just come out as I've wrestled with it and then just let it come out and see where we land. I know that's not the always ideal way to do things, but it's the way I like to do them in this setting and just see where we go. Part of it is if you've heard Christ, then you wouldn't have to live in the darkness and the hardening of the heart that the Gentiles live in. So let's talk about herds. I had the Holy Spirit speak something into me in the last week or so that for me was kind of a shore up of an idea I've wrestled with for a while. I've, been talk, I've, I've had a lot of people over the years say to me, um, why did it take me so long to get this message of grace? Why did it take me so long to realize God loved me? I've been in church my entire life. Why did it take me so long to walk in this? And my answer is always, well, I don't know why it took you so long. I mean, I, I don't know why it took me so long. I, I don't, I, it doesn't take everyone that amount of time. Some people take twice as long. What's the answer? I, I don't know. I mean, you go, well, what if we'd preached it different? What if we'd preached it better? And I felt like the Holy Spirit, because I've kind of wrestled with that for years with God. I go, what am I supposed to do? I want to see people released into this. I want to see believers set free into the liberty that God loves you. Stop with this. I got to please God. God's mad at me. Foolishness. How do we get him there? I bet I've asked God that 10,000 times. Please show me. Give me that magic message. Give me that perfect verse. Help me with another illustration. And I preached it and preached it and preached it. It really felt really simple that the Holy Spirit said to me, it was always out there, which you're now discovering because now every revelation you walk into, you'll get a new book. And you'll look at the copyright date and go, wait a minute, that book's old. That, this has been around a long time. And like the Holy Spirit said to me, the issue is that you wouldn't listen to the right voices. So they were always out there. But you would only listen to your approved voices, the voices you were used to, the voices you were comfortable with, the voices you didn't have to work on. You could just listen to them and you didn't have to wrestle with anything. And the danger in that is that they could just say whatever they wanted to say. And you'd go, yeah, well, yeah, all right. Well, brother so-and-so said it. And you wouldn't wrestle with whether it was real or whether it was relevant or whether it was even wholesome. You just take it because they said it. And even if you disagreed with it, you just sort of push it aside because you loved them. Because you loved your cultural Christianity. You loved your favorite preacher. You loved your favorite theology. You loved reading your favorite commentaries. And so you'd just go, well, you know, I don't know about that, but boy, that other stuff's really good. And that's what you should do with everyone is, 
I don't know about that stuff, but boy, that's really good. But the problem is, is that we don't. We only have ears for what we have ears for. <laughs> now that's silly, right? Well, it's kind of Jesus. Jesus says, he who has ears to hear, let him hear what the Spirit says. Why does Jesus say that over and over again, particularly to the churches in Revelation? Because that's going to be the key. You're going to have to listen. You go, well, that's simple enough. Start listening to different people. Good luck. Good luck in your cultural Christianity bubble just introducing new voices. Because all the old voices are going to yell at you for listening to these new voices. And all the people that nod yes when you're all sitting around talking about the familiar voices are going to think you've lost your mind when you start quoting new voices. And going, hey, have you heard this? Have you read that? Have you thought about this? And then they're going to get theological on you. Suddenly they're going to become Bible scholars who are going to say, you better be careful about so-and-so because they're a wolf in sheep's clothing. They're a heretic. They're ushering in the Antichrist. And here's why. Because they don't believe this, 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 and this. And they do believe that, that, that. Suddenly all this casual Christianity, everybody becomes a Bible scholar and can pull out verses you hadn't heard before to support why you need to leave stuff alone. And I think the reason, because as the Lord was inspiring this in me, it's like, why are we this way? I think it's because we have such a fear of being misled. And so we'll quote things like in the last days, people heaping to themselves, teachers having itching ears. And so, you know, we're nearing the end of the world. And since we're near the end of the world, you got to watch out. Because if you're hearing a new voice, well, you got to be careful because that could be the devil trying to lead you astray. So you're never going to change anything about your mind until you start listening. So you go, oh, should we just listen to everything? Well, you have the Holy Spirit. Trust the Holy Spirit. But don't just turn everything off because it's unfamiliar. And don't just turn everything on because they got a cross hanging behind them. Or they're wearing a suit and tie or they got a TV show or they just put out a book. It doesn't mean you got to swallow the whole thing. <laughs> you, can, you can read it, you can hear it, and let the Holy Spirit say, this doesn't look like Jesus, does it? And you can say, no, it doesn't particularly turn me on to Jesus. It might turn me on to anger might turn me on to fear. It might turn me on to doubt. Have you ever heard sermons that do that? I watched a dude last week just spitting fire, man, and brimstone. And everything out of his mouth had a verse attached to it. Verse, verse, verse. It was a machine gun. I mean, it was impressive. And it was, it was well rehearsed. And you could just feel everybody really getting into it. And as I watched, my stomach turned a little more and a little more because I knew the verses. I know how to do that so well. I knew what verse was coming next. Like, oh, here's where I'll go now. And here's where I'll go now. And here's where I'll go now. And I get to the end of it and I go, God, why is this such a disgusting feeling? We're reading the same Bible. <laughs> and, and of course, the answer there is more simple than we want it to be. I mean, it's not complex. The lens through which you read Scripture will influence how you read Scripture. So if you read Scripture to attack people and to kill people, you can find verses for it. I mean, you got like genocide verses in the Old Testament. Go, go into town, kill men, women, children, and babies. And uh, I mean, you, could, you can justify a lot of foolishness just pulling here a verse, there a verse, everywhere a verse, verse. Then, of course, you put Jesus in front of it. Jesus becomes the lens by which all of Scripture is trying to get you to. And what isn't Jesus isn't you because you're not a follower of random verses you're a follower of christ and so 
machine gunning verses in order to support a position that paints God as less than Jesus, what should you do with it? (laughs) In that moment, plug your ears to that, don't swallow it. So it really comes down to this. It's how you hear it. If you want to keep listening to stuff that brings you fear, go for it. But don't be amazed when you're constantly in fear and anxiety and you're stressed out in your spirit. Don't go, don't go blaming God. Don't go saying, God, what are you trying to do to me? God goes, he who has ears to hear. You want to keep listening to fear? I mean, I don't know how many more times I need to tell you in the word that, that God is love. So if you want God to be everything else, then you can ignore that God is love and you can feed yourself. And listen, it's not just theology. We do this with everything because we are a product of the stuff we pull in. We pull in. We pull in. So if you, you can go in public and start talking to people about something political and you'll find out really quick what everybody's watching, what they've been reading, what they've been paying attention to, what they've been looking at. Because it just flows out of us. Don't you want to be a people whom the love of God flows out of? When people talk to you about God, don't you want the love of God to flow out of you? That is not going to happen by accident, okay? I I want to encourage you and I want to encourage everybody watching. It is not going to happen by accident that when you talk about God, He is loving. You're going to have to change the lens and shut your ears to the things that doesn't present God as we see him in Jesus. And so Paul says, you didn't learn this from Christ if you've been listening to him, if you've heard him. Now, a lot of the reason why we have such a skewed picture of Christ is I personally don't believe we're hearing enough about Jesus. I don't think we're reading enough about Jesus, and I'm not sure we're taking Jesus serious. And so when we're confronted with Jesus, if we don't understand it, we just kind of pass it off like it's for the old covenant. Oh, he's in the old world, and you know, we don't really need to understand that. And we don't grapple with it and wrestle with it and let Jesus work on us. And so as a cheap substitute, we'll often fashion a Jesus that is more palatable to our cultural Christianity than it is to our faith in a risen Christ. And... That's also why when Jesus gets presented in all of His ascended glory, in all of the beauty of the Jesus that preaches to us in the Gospels, sometimes we'll even shy away from that Jesus because He looks so different from the cultural version of Christ that we've created. So how do we get around this? I can't say this enough. There is no substitute for your time alone with the Jesus of the Bible. I can't do it. No one around you can do it. There's no, I didn't say you got to read 50 chapters a day. I didn't say you got to learn original Greek or you got to buy so-and-so's commentary series. But there's literally no substitute for having just spent a little time with Jesus in the word, in the gospels to say, I want to see what Jesus looks like. I want to see what Jesus sounds like. When he walks into a room and starts talking, I want to know what it sounds like. How are you going to know that? Well, there's at least four biographical sketches right there in the Bible. And for people that are like, oh, you can't trust the Bible because there's no, there's no sources for that that man existed. There's four of them right there in your lap, all of them written in the first century by people that saw him. If we had any other body of evidence for any 
person in history that was four people that actually saw him, we would never argue about the historicity of this individual. But because they agreed that he rose from the dead, we count him off as kooks. So you just make a decision. Do you believe in resurrected Christ? Yes. Okay, then read the Gospels that tell you about a resurrected Christ and pay attention to him. Because if you don't, you're going to be susceptible to cultural Jesus, if you get Jesus at all, and you're going to get a flaming mad God that's about to show up and burn the world up because you haven't watched Jesus work. And you're going to get scared and wonder what to believe And Paul's like, listen, if you just heard him, you wouldn't have to walk in darkness. You wouldn't have to walk with your heart hardened. You wouldn't have to walk alienated from the life of God. You could know this God if you just listened to him in Christ. If you've heard him and you've been taught by him. So there's the next level. Okay. You can't be taught if you're always right. Okay. I know it sounds simple, but it's way bigger problem than most of us realize. We're always right about everything that comes out of our mouth, and we wonder why we don't learn anything new. And a lot of people don't even wonder why they don't learn anything new. They don't want to learn anything new. They already got everything figured out. Stop assuming you're right about everything. Start assuming there's some things you need to know so that when you approach Christ and you approach the Word, you have something to learn. This is daily repentance. Repentance is nothing Change your mind about God. Change your mind about everything. Go to God every day. I really think it's healthy if you will practice daily repentance. And I mean practice it. Like in your prayer life, Father, I repent. I bring me before you and I repent today of any old mindset about you that doesn't look like Jesus. I know they're in there, Father. Shine your light on them. Show me the areas that don't look like Jesus. I'm not, I'm not afraid I'm backsliding. You're not sending me to hell. I'm not, not righteous. I got all that clocked up in Christ. But I repent of the image I've created of you that's cold, that's distant, that's angry, that's mad, that's separate from me. Father, I repent of that, and I need healed of it. And I don't mean do this once a week at Sunday church. I mean make this part of your prayer life. Father, I repent today. I repent of mindsets I don't yet know that I have, but I know they're in there. They're sneaky. They're sneaky because they make you look a certain way, and then they influence the way I think about you, and then they influence the way I treat people because I've got this idea about you that's not even sourced in you. It's sourced in some guy I heard preach a message 20 years ago that I forgot his name or the title, but it dropped a seed inside of me about what you're like, and I can't get rid of it, and I repent. And I need you to pull that out by the root, and it's going to hurt. Because repentance isn't this soft, smooth, easy little thing. Because I repent and I convert to a new way of thinking. So, Father, I repent of those old mindsets. And I ask for your healing as you convert me into your way of thinking. I want to think like your son. I want to think like your child. I want to think as if you're my dad and you love me. I want to think, I repent, Father, of portraying upon you a love that only loves me in order for me to change. I want, I repent, this is the things I've been repenting of. God, I repent 
for always thinking about your love as the kind of love that loves me too much to leave me where I am. I always thought that, I thought that was real theological, real spiritual. God loves you too much to leave you like you are. And all that really meant was you're not much more than a piece of crap, but God loves even pieces of crap, but he doesn't want to leave you that way. He wants to transform you. And so I don't care what good you think you have. God knows better. He loves you in spite of yourself, but what he really wants is a shinier version of you. And I had to repent because the Lord really convicted me of it. said, stop believing that I love you so you'll be a better version of Paul. I love you. So, Father, I repent of this God that I have that loves me with love as a tool. Loves like a wrench. And he's putting it on me going, I love you, but boy, I'm going to tighten the ship. We're going to tighten the screws on this thing. And, and I'm, I don't love my daughter that way. I don't love my daughter so that she will be a better version of daughter. I don't love her so she'll change some stuff. Like I got this secret in my mind. Oh, boy, I wish she'd be this. This is what I really want. I'm going to love her. And I'm going to tell her I love her. But I'm gonna, I believe that love's going to make her into a different person. I don't love my wife that way, my family that way. I don't love you that way. So why have I done that to God? And my answer is, I don't know. I don't know, except I heard so many little sermons over the years that kept dropping, germinating a seed that went, God loves you too much to leave you like you are. And I'd go, amen. And I heard it like 58 times by, you know, 34 different preachers over 40 years. And you drop those seeds in there long enough, they start to germinate. So I go, I repent. I got this whole field worth of ideas about God that all need to die. I repent. So you got to be taught. You can't be taught if you don't. If you already got it figured out, you can't learn anything. So, Father, I repent of all the stuff I think I know. <laughs> so you can teach me a bunch of stuff that I'm positive I don't know. And there's so much I don't know. And sometimes we can't learn the things we don't know because we're so infatuated by the things we think we know. A lot of which are just a bunch of garbage that fills our head so that we can feel like we figured something out. So, Father, help me to lay the junk down that don't matter that I've made a really big deal over. You know how much we're majoring in in Christianity doesn't have anything to do with our peace or our joy? And we're majoring in it. Like we're spending all of our time researching it, praying about it, talking about it, looking it up, taking notes on it. None of it has anything to do with our joy, our peace, our righteousness, Him loving us. Here you go. Be taught by Jesus. Let Jesus do that work. And then finally, as the truth is in Jesus, you can tell this is the bulk of what we're going to do tonight is these three thoughts. I do have some more. We're going to work through some scriptures, but I really want to get this out. The truth is not about being right. Um, we can say, well, you know that guy that was machine gunning those verses, everything he said was right. Well, it depends on your lens. If your lens is, was everything in the Bible, then yes, he was right. Now, I'm, I'm seriously... Because this is, you got to be careful about this. Was it all in the Bible? Yeah. Well, then he's right. No. This is the key in Jesus, not being right. The key is the truth. And we're really concerned about being right, but we're not infatuated with walking in the truth. And the truth will make you free, and being right will scare you. You can be right and be in fear, you can have a bunch of verses. And you're just scared to death. Or you can be in Jesus and be in truth. 
And you'll learn the truth always trumps being right. I've used this illustration with you guys before, and I, I, at, at risk of wearing it out, I'm going to use it one more time. When those religious leaders brought the woman in the act of adultery, they were right. There's no way around this. They had the moral high ground. They had the verses. They were right, but Jesus was truth. And truth is, neither do I condemn you, and I go and sin no more. So you can decide if you want to be on the side of right or you want to be on the side of truth. And being on the side of truth is finding Christ in every situation. Not finding what's right in every situation, but finding Christ in every situation. And I'm not talking about manipulating the Bible, twisting verses to meet your ends. I'm talking about going to Jesus and letting Jesus show you how to interpret the Bible. I probably don't have to say this, but just in case, I don't think that Jesus is trying to... Jesus is not here to change God. Jesus is not here going, hey, Dad used to do this, but... That didn't work, so here's what we're going to do now. None of that's true. Jesus came to show you what the Father always looked like. And when he was confronted by bad versions of the Father, he either rebuked it or he ignored it. And he just literally, I rebuked that. Or, you don't know what spirit you're of. And they'd be quoting Bible on him. And he'd just be like, we're not going to do that. And we wouldn't, man, today we'd have a fit. We'd have a fit if somebody did that now. So you're just ignoring my verses? And Jesus goes, yeah, I'm just ignoring your verses. I'm, just, I'm ignoring your verses because I know my father. You don't know my father. You know some scripture. You don't know my father. So one of God's children that walks in the, the light of God's truth as shown through Jesus is never at the mercy of someone who has a pocket full of verses. But no truth. So Paul doesn't, notice that Paul doesn't go to the scriptures. You didn't learn that from reading your Bible. No, he says you didn't learn that from Christ. Because if you've been following Christ and been listening to Christ, been taught by Christ looking for the truth that is in Jesus, then this would happen. 22. Put off, this is where our title starts to come in. You put off concerning your former conduct the old man which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. We're going to talk about some of these as we go quickly. And that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Look at put off. Here's your role in verse 22. You also have another role in verse 24. Put on. So put off. Put on. What you're doing is putting off your conduct that looks like your old man. Notice that? You're not, just, you're not just putting off the old man. Your old man's dead. You're putting off the conduct of a dead man. You're putting off the conduct of what you used to be because what you are, the old man is just growing corrupt because that's what corpses do. Corpses corrupt. They stink. They get worse and worse. Paul goes, quit acting like your former self. Your former self, that thing's just dead. And if you follow it, it's just dead. It has deceitful lusts. Instead, renew the spirit of your mind. You don't need to get resaved. You don't need to get reforgiven. You don't need to be made righteous all over you. You just need to change your mind. Here's your problem. Change this thing because he's already done the work. So learn Christ, change your mind. Daily repent. Daily repent. Renew the spirit of your mind. Make, put all of these things off so that you put on the new man. He's already was created, was created, was created. This is important. 
He was already created according to God. He's, he's actual righteousness and he's actual holiness. And he's actually in you. You just got to put it on. How are you going to do it? Start right here. Romans 6, Paul would say, reckon yourselves to be dead indeed unto sin. What's reckon yourselves mean? Consider yourself what God says about you. You are not what you used to be. I mean, that, I think I had a, I think this is our only paragraph I put in here for you tonight. People are alienated from the life of God. Remember, that's how this whole chap, this how this whole section started. People are already alienated from the life of God. So as we follow Christ, ignore the commas because I'm voice text and my new iOS on my phone loves commas, man. It thinks, oh, he paused. Let's put a comma. Forget it. All right. As we follow Christ, we introduce those alienated people to what the life of God looks like. If we don't put off our old conduct, by the way, our old self is already dead. I just said that. Then our problem is we fail to show the world the life of God. So why do I need to put off and put on? I mean, I'm already saved. Who cares if I put off my old conduct? Good point. I mean, you don't have to put off your old conduct. You're already the righteousness of God in Christ. You can do whatever hellish thing crosses your mind if you really want to. Now, I want to warn you, there's inherited consequences with hellish behavior. And some of them will come from your next door neighbor, and some of them will come from your spouse, and some of them will come from your boss, but they will show up. And they will not have mercy on you like your uh, loving father does. And they will crush you and they will destroy you. And God is having mercy on your soul, but man will not have mercy on your reputation or your name or your money or your life. And that's a promise. Okay. So that, that kind of goes without saying, right? Like do stupid things, stupid stuff happens to you. Okay. So you can do all you want, but as a follower of Christ, here's, here's Paul's encouragement to you of why he wants you to put on the new man. Because somebody out there is alienated from the life of God. Like you're crossing the paths of people that don't know God. Their hearts dark, hardened. Their minds are darkened. They're alienated from God's life. They don't even know that they're alienated. They don't know what it could be. And then they come across you and you talk about this resurrected Christ and you exude the life of God in the way that you live. They start to realize that life is not the life they have. What happens if we don't put off our conduct? Well, then we drag our corpse into the room with those who are already alienated and provide no hope at all of salvation. And a lot of times the best thing we have is, won't you come to our church? We got a really good ministry for you. Like that matters to them. They go, oh, I want to add one more thing to my calendar so I can come to your church, sit in a room full of people I don't know and eat donuts. Who cares about this? I mean, I'd rather go do something, anything else than go meet a bunch of other people that probably going to judge me anyway. Is that, I mean, I'm kind of spot on right there, honestly. Because that's, kind of, I mean, that's kind of what we've done. Like we've relegated the whole living like Christ, maybe, to well, we'll bring them to our church where the really good gifted people will show them Jesus. And then maybe they can join our bowling team. You know, we got t-shirts. They can, I hope nobody has a bowling team. So just the point, the point is that Paul's version of how to get people who are already alienated from the life of God is not participation. Like just invite them into community. No, Paul doesn't do that. He says, stop living beneath what you are because if you lived what you are that would be enough for alienated people 
That would be the world-changing event. That would be you introducing the life of God. Someone asked last week after the meeting, what's the life of God look like? Well, it's, that's not easy because it doesn't look exactly the same the way you live it and the way I live it and the way she lives it, but it does look like Jesus. It loves like Jesus and it forgives like Jesus and it doesn't dispense condemnation like Jesus didn't dispense condemnation and it embraces and it usually prefers the lowest end of the spectrum and it watches out for the poor and the stranger and it sounds a lot like the God that says I am God is love and as that expresses itself people who are alienated find themselves at home in the presence of God. Let me read you another Pauline passage. I won't spend a ton of time on it, but I thought it was really nice and complimentary. It's kind of the companion chapter. It's Colossians chapter 3, verses 3 to 11. And that's a lot of verses, so i got to be careful just not to stay here long. You died, and your life is hidden with Christ in God. It's one of my favorite verses. I love that Paul says that. You died. It's like some statement of fact. Like, hey, you're dead. You're dead. Your life is hid with Christ in God. What you used to be, that's not there. You come to Christ, what really happened is the old you died. So that's why he says that other part about a corpse. You know, like you're growing old. Like quit, quit living like you used to live. That's not you anymore. When Christ, who is our actual life, appears, you'll also appear with him in glory. Therefore, put to death your members which are on the earth. This is your job. Just as you have to put off the other and put on who he made you, you're not saving yourself. You're just putting off the things that don't look like you. So put to death some of the stuff that's on the earth. Fornication, uncleanness, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry. I don't have time. I'm going to break every one of these down. Because of these things, the wrath of God is coming upon the sons of disobedience. Man, I've probably talked more about the wrath of God in the last month, off and on with this group and others, than I have in two years. Um, And I keep circling back to it because I want you to know the wrath of God is never punishment. It's never to annihilate you. It is always restorative. It is never retributive. It's not God paying you back. It is God giving you what you want. So if you keep spurning God's love, He goes, you can do whatever you want. It's going to hurt. You're going to call me. You're going to call it wrath. Call it whatever you want. But it's love spurned. If you, if you flow in the unforced rhythms of grace, it's like, it's like running your hand on the smooth handle. If you want to live against that rhythm, it's coarse. And we call it the wrath of God. And he goes, are you going to keep living that way? You're going to call it the wrath of God. You used to walk that way. You yourself once walked when you used to live like that. But now, you yourselves are to put off these. See, that's, that's Ephesians 4 talk. So put off stuff like anger, wrath, malice, blasphemy, filthy language out of your mouth. Nine, don't lie to one another since you've already... Why wouldn't you lie to one another? Because you're not the old person since you've already put off the old man with his deeds. So stop acting like you didn't meet Christ. So put away the junk that used to be you and you've put on the new man. And look where he's renewed. He's renewed in knowledge according to the image of him who created him. The more you know about the image of the one who created you, I think the more you'll put on who you really are in Christ. Because in Christ, your your bloodline doesn't matter. Your religious activity doesn't matter. Your geography doesn't matter. Your family heritage doesn't matter. Your social standing doesn't matter. But Christ is all in all. 
And if you couldn't see that, it's Greek, Jew, circumcised, uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slavery. Paul just starts throwing a bunch of stuff in there that's a categorizations. He goes, none of that junk matters. You come to Christ. He said, that's all, that's all in the past. Okay. Next one. Colossians 2, 1 through 3. I want to show you that knowledge according to Colossians. Same book. You just back, just rewinding. I want you to know what a great conflict I have for you, those in Laodicea. It's kind of an intro verse. As for many as have not seen my face in the flesh. Watch this, verse 2. That their hearts may be encouraged, knit together in love, attaining all riches of the full assurance of understanding to the knowledge of the mystery of God, both of the Father and of Christ, in whom are all hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. And then he goes on to tell you, put on the new man who's renewed in knowledge. What knowledge? That knowledge. Same knowledge you just told him about earlier in the book. A lot of times if you're confused on a verse, just pull the scope back. Go back a chapter. He's probably already talked about the topic. It's just that we're pulling a verse out of context and forgetting that he's already set the groundwork. In this case, he sets the groundwork by telling you the knowledge of the mystery of God is the Father and Christ. If you can get in the Father and Christ, you get, the, you get all the hidden treasures of wisdom. Everything you want to know is in the Father as seen through Christ. So when we talk about putting on the new man, he's renewed in the knowledge of God. That's not book knowledge. That's not, oh, my new man will come if I can just read enough. No. The more that I see the Father in Christ, or I like to say the more I see the Father through Christ, right? Jesus said, no man sees the Father, doesn't see me first. If you see me, you see the Father. So the more I see the Father through Christ... The more my knowledge is renewed, the more I put on the new man. All right, I'll close with these two verses. They were at the back side of our study. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind from Ephesians 4.23. This word spirit, pneuma, that's all over the map in the New Testament because they don't use proper nouns in the Greek. So we want them to put a capital S when they want to talk about the Holy Spirit and a little S when they talk about us, but they don't do that. And maybe they don't do it because sometimes it's hard to tell the difference in what they mean. Now, what we're pretty sure of is that you can't be, be renewed is not be renewed in the Holy Spirit of your mind. But it's also pretty clear that there's no other scripture that thinks your mind has an individual spirit. So in those situations, context rules our translation. And so the best way to translate this is probably the word attitude. Because if you say I like his spirit. What are you saying? I don't know. There's just something about him, right? That's how we talk. There's just something about him. It's kind of the aura. It's kind of the attitude. It's kind of what they bring to the room. You can't see spirit, but you can feel it. Like you got a spirit about you. It doesn't mean demonic. I hope not. But you got a spirit about you. So be renewed in the attitude of your mind. Be renewed in the spirit of your mind. Quite simply, change the way you think. Quite simply. Not easy, is it? No, it's a lifetime battle to change the way you think. Because the way you think is going to be influenced by all the stuff you've ever been through, good and bad. And the bad's going to scream louder than the good. It always does. It tries to define you. And that leads us to that last verse. Put on the new, which was created according to God, in true righteousness and holiness. And I, I, I told you this earlier, but I want to land here as my final thought. It's already done. You don't... Put on the new man to be righteous. Put on the new man to be holy. You put on the new man because you are. True righteousness and true holiness is found only in Christ, not in what you do. Put this on because it represents you the best. It's the best fitting clothing you have. Put on what looks like the one who redeemed you. Okay, so what if I don't? Well, 
probably going to incur a lot of stench in your life. Like a bunch of stuff's going to stink. Because if you live with a corpse, the whole house stinks. And what I mean by that is your old man, if you keep living according to the old man, you're taking advice from a corpse. So the whole house is going to stink. So that's going to be the first thing. It's going to be a lot of junk that just doesn't seem to fall into place in the realm of the spirit because we don't put off the former conduct. Okay. The other part might be just as bad. There's a world full of people who are alienated from the life of God and you can't change all of them. You cannot change the world, but I promise you that you can change the world for somebody. You may not have met them yet. You may not have crossed their path yet. You may not even know when you will. So put on the new man that looks the most like what you really are. For those that think if you preach grace, you don't ever talk conduct, don't understand grace. <laughs> or you just don't understand evangelism. Because evangelism is is driven in a large part by trying to get people who don't understand the life of God to understand the life of God. How are they going to do that? Not just by us preaching, 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 but by us living the Christ that we know. Let's pray. Let's pray this, this thought as a group. I don't tell you word for word what to say, but I'm giving you sort of the spirit of a prayer. And that is seek the Father for what to put off that looks like your old man, okay? And give me the knowledge of how to do that and I repent from the mindsets that keep me from letting go because I got some stuff that I should probably let go of. Teach me how to let go of it. Father, I don't know how to pray for each person, but I do feel compelled that as a group that we Seek you for whatever area of our lives that we have the old man still shining forth and it's not us. We're righteous. We're holy. Not because we've done something right, but because we know you who is truth. So I don't want to live in a way that doesn't look like Jesus. And I don't want to live in a way that doesn't look like Jesus because I don't want my life to stink. I don't want, my, I don't want to emanate the old man. I want to live in a way that if I come across someone who's alienated from the life of God, maybe they'll see the life of God in me. And maybe that alone, maybe, or at least that in conjunction with a million other things will cause them to start to seek the God that they have never sought before. That people can know they're not alienated from the life of God. That people can know their hearts don't have to be darkened. That people can know that their eyes can be opened to the truth that is in Christ. I repent for all my bad mindsets about you. And in the areas that I don't even see them yet, I ask you to show me through the light of your revelation and your love. In Jesus' name, help us put off and put on. Amen.